0: In the book of Galatians, chapter 4, if you want to turn there or look up on the screen, whichever you prefer. I found this story about a man who was trying to help out at home when his wife was uh, very sick and couldn't really get up out of bed. And so we these are a series of notes of which he wrote to her. Uh, Monday a.m., dearest... Sleep late. Everything under control. Lunches packed. Kids off to school. Menu for dinner planned. Your lunch is on a tray in the refrigerator. Fruit cup. Finger sandwiches. Thermos of hot tea by bedside. See you around 6. Tuesday a.m. Honey, sorry about the egg rack in the refrigerator. Hope you got back to sleep. Did the kids tell you about the coke I put in the thermoses? The school might call you on this. Dinner may be a little late. I'm doing your door-to-door canvassing for liver research. Your lunch is in the refrigerator. Hope you like leftover chili. Wednesday a.m. Dear Doris, why in the name of all that is sane would you put soap powder in the flour canister? If you have time, could you please come up with a likely spot for... Chris's missing shoes. We've checked the clothes hamper, garage, back seat of the car, and wood box. Did you know the school has room about, uh, rules about bedroom slippers? <laughs> There's some cold pizza for you and a napkin in the oven drawer. We'll be late tonight, driving eight Girl Scouts to our our meat packing house, to a, to a tour meat packing house Thursday a.m. Doris. Don't panic over water in the hallway. It crested last night around 9 p.m. We finished, we'll finish laundry tonight. Please pencil in answers to the following. How do you turn on the garbage disposal? I thought it was automatic. Guess not. How do you turn off the milkman? Why would that rotten kid leave his shoes in his boots? What do you do with leftovers when they begin to snap at you when, your refrigerator, when you open the refrigerator door? I don't know what you're having for lunch. Surprise me. <laughs> Friday a.m. Hey. <laughs> don't br- drink from pitcher by the sink. I'm trying to restore pink dress shirt to original white. Take heart tonight. The irony will be folded, house cleaned, and dinner on time. I called your mother. Yes, it's something to do, appreciate all that is done around the house, isn't it? So we thank you, all you moms. Galatians chapter 4. We said last week, last week we gave you a question at the end, and if you were here for that, hopefully you uh, remember that. We're thinking about it here as we went on. But in the uh, weeks leading up to this, we had a, a message from a king who was asked to request about deciding about the babies that they were trying to eat because they were also hungry. And he got upset and irate and wanted to kill the man of God. We don't know exactly why he wanted to kill the prophet, but for some reason he targeted him. We went over a few of those possible reasons. We began to look at this, this aspect of making sure our hearts are right. That sometimes when people come and they ask things of us, It can set things off on the inside. If we have a wrong heart, that wrong thing will come out. If we're in pride, if we're in false day of humility, the wrong thing will come out. We have to make sure that we get ourselves in the right place. This king was not in the right place and he blamed other people. People in pride generally tend to blame people around them. People who are in false humility tend to always blame themselves. But God wants us to be in a humble state. Where we don't go around blaming others. We take on what we are responsible for. But we don't take on everything. And that's where we need to be. There's always a ditch on either side of the road. Way back on Palm Sunday. We looked at the request. That Jesus made of his disciples. To go into town. To break into a car and hotwire it. <laughs>
1: well
0: it's was a little different from that. But. <laughs> go into town and take some take a donkey and her cult, bring them to me. And if anybody asks you what you're doing, say the master has need of them and they will let you have them. And they did. And how hard that request may have been for those particular two disciples. Again, we don't know who they are, but two disciples were sent on that mission and they came back successful. We looked at how it is that sometimes we may think that what we have is nothing more than a donkey and a cult, but if the master has need of it, we need to go ahead and give it. So when something is asked of me, what happens? If Jesus were to come to you and ask to go get the donkeys, the, the, the donkey and the colt, if Jesus were to come and make a request of you, and it didn't seem to be too reasonable, what would we do? How would we go? Last week, we looked at the question, should we ever say No. If people come and ask this thing, should we ever say no? We looked uh, in particular at Galatians chapter 6, where it said, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then down in verse 5, it says, for each one shall bear his own load. So we ask this question, are you supposed to bear each other's burdens or is each one supposed to bear his own load? Because apparently, Paul is confused. <laughs> in the same passage, he tells you to do both. Well, when you break it down, of course, he's, he, Paul is not confused. We don't really think that. When you break it all down, when he says, bear one another's burdens, we looked at how that was broken down in the Greek and that it, what it was talking about was an unusually heavy load. That when someone has an unusually heavy load upon them, we need to come along and help them in that. But in verse 5, for each one shall bear his own load. It's the day-to-day. We said that was the word that was used for a um, list of inventory that was supposed to go on to a ship. And that ship would be able to handle it. A ship is made to carry a certain amount of weight. You don't want to put too much. You don't want to put too little. Put too little, you're not getting your money's worth out of that trip. You put too much, the ship could go down. and you lose everything. So you want to make sure you have the right load. And so this is what this is about. God knows what you can handle and there is a load that you are to carry. He's basically saying this, carry it. Stop asking for everybody around you to help you. You need to carry your own load. But when something overwhelming comes and something heavier than normal comes, there are people around who can step in and, and to help. Now that also needs to speak to the rest of us who don't, maybe not have a heavy load. When we look at someone who is carrying a day-to-day as a heavy load, how should you respond? Too often we respond in such a way as I need to help. And we keep helping with the day-to-day. And they, endure, they they develop no endurance, no ability to carry their own load. We're not helping them. We're hindering them. We have to make sure that we stay out of that. So we ask this at the last one. The last one. Well, one of the goals of any good mother or father is to raise them. To such a place, bring them to a place where they can do it themselves, right? So, does God do the same thing? We want to take a look at this in the in the Word of God. Is God practicing the same thing that Paul taught us to do? Of course, we know that He would, but we wanted to see where it was. So, we're back in the Book of Galatians, Galatians chapter four. We're going to be covering a whole lot of territory, and so we're just kind of we're not going over all the fine points of this. Uh, in in looking at at all this. I did notice, though, that some, from some of my notes that it has been quite some time since we've taken on the entire book of Galatians. So that may be up in our, our time to do here. We have done it. We have done it in the past, but it, is, uh, it has been a long time. And so that may be one of the ones we may be taking on here next. Because we're almost finished, Acts on Wednesday night. It won't be too much longer until we are, are done that. In Galatians chapter four, verse one, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. So we have in here in this passage, we're going to see a child, an heir, a slave and a son That's what he's going to be talking about here. He says, when a child is born into a household, that child is an heir. But that heir differs nothing from a slave that is also in the same house or a servant. There's no difference between them. They have no more rights or privileges to access the inheritance than anyone else would. Even though they are a child. Even though they are an heir. Something has to happen first. He is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. These guardians and these stewards are to train them up into the things that they need to do. Into the things and the places that they need to go and what they need to learn in order to be good at handling the, air, the, the the things that they're going to get from their parents, what they're going to inherit. He says in verse 3, Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. He's taking a natural example that they all understand. Now, they understood this a little bit differently than we do. We look at it anymore today, and it's not quite the same thing as it was for them. There was a certain age that a Jewish boy would come to, and when they came to that age, they were considered an heir. But they had to accomplish certain things. Now, they had the ceremony they, today, they call it the Bar Mitzvah. Uh, in, the, in this day, what Paul is calling it is the huyaphysia, or the adoption of sons. Understand, we are born into the kingdom of God. We are not adopted. You are born into the kingdom of God. When the word for adoption comes in, it is simply meaning that a son who was born into the household is placed into the position of a son. And that's what he's referring to here. So he's taking that that they already know and he's tying it into their spiritual life. Even so, we, when we were children, speaking of spiritually, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. When we were born in this world, we were born under sin. We were slaves to sin. When we became born again, we became heirs of the kingdom. But just because you have been a child of God and declared to be an heir of the kingdom doesn't mean that you can take advantage of what you are an heir of. You need to get to a place where you're able to handle that. That's how God responds with this. There are many things that are available to the children of God, but not everyone walks in them because they have not developed themselves spiritually to walk into these things. And so Paul is simply saying this, just as you understand this in a natural understanding in the spirit. So the example here is in the spiritual sense, a child should become an heir. They should become. That's the intention of a child is to become an heir by becoming a son. Now, when he speaks of this spiritually, he's talking, not talking male and female, he's talking all. But they are not intended to become a slave. That's not the intent of God, is for anyone to become a slave or a servant in the household. They are to become a son. Remember a parable that Jesus told about two sons that were in a family? And one went away and spent his inheritance. He became an heir. He had access to the things that were there as an heir to the inheritance. And he decided to go out there and to spend it. And so he began to spend those things, went away to a place and began to spend... All that until the money ran out. And then he said, when he came to his senses, he says, You know, the servants in my father's house live better than I am. If I go back to the house, I'll just ask to become a servant. I'll just and he comes to the house, comes to the father, and he says, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me a hired servant in your house. And what did the father do? Mm mm. No, 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 you come in as a son. Because God does not intend any of us to be servants in the house. He intends us to be sons. What Paul is dealing with here is that too many of the children had gone and become servants instead of becoming sons. And they weren't taking advantage of the things that were there. God's purpose is to bring us to a place where we can be a son. And that's why he develops us. He wants us to get the attitude that says, I can do that. I can do it. How many of you all like it when your little kids are growing up and they, they want to take something on? you know you've been doing something for them, maybe brushing their teeth? How many remember when the kids were young and you were doing the br- you were brushing their teeth, and then all of a sudden one day, what'd they say? I can do it. I can do it. I do it. I do it. And so then you give them the toothbrush, and you know they, they did it, but they probably didn't do it very well, and so you let them do it, and you did it. But they're learning. They're learning about that. Yeah, but when they were eating and you were always feeding them with a spoon and then what do they say? I do it. <laughs> and and so they take the spoon and they make a mess of it. But you let them do it because they're learning. They're They're developing. So there are times that we as parents will do the same thing. Even though they're not quite ready to be doing it themselves, we need to get them to the place where they are ready. And so we let them do it even though they do it a little bit imperfectly. And then we just clean them up extra and, and, uh, and go to it. And that's certainly the way that it is throughout life. We're always finding more things. No, no, I can, I can go ahead and do that. I can do that. Even when you were on your job, there are things in your job you haven't done yet. And you may look at those and say, you know what? I can do that. And you take that on. And then you find something else. I can do that. And you take that on. We need to have that attitude in the kingdom. Father, I can do that. I can do that. And begin to step in there to to take these things on. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We hear all these verses about heirship, about being heirs, but not all of us are taking advantage or seem to be able to take advantage of being an heir. It's because we haven't walked in the things we need to walk in. We're still wanting God to do so many things for us. Well, God, I, I just can't do that. I need you to do it. We need to get to the place where we do like we were growing up. I can do it. What is the thing that, desi- that drives the children to say, I can do that? We have that desire to grow up, to, to do the things that people that are older than us are doing, do the things that our parents are doing. I can do that. I can do that. So a child should never, should become an heir by becoming a son, but they are not intended to become a slave. So why do some become what by nature they were never intended to be? How many of you know Christians that have become servants, that become slaves? They're born again, but they're still mastered by the law. The law is still their taskmaster. They haven't won over that. Well, the intent of the law, for many, we haven't understood it. The intent of the law for the Jews back here, they thought if we just did the law, then we could be saved. But the intent of the law was not to save people. The intent of the law was to point out that they are not able to do this themselves and to point to the Savior, Jesus, to the Messiah. And that he would do it for us. It's something that we couldn't do. But we can walk in that. The intent of the law. We have to understand the intent. The intent was not there. It was not there to make you righteous. It was there to point you to the way of righteousness. So the corrupt use of it turned children into slaves. There are many people who did nothing but take a law and put it over top of people. If you are going to be a Christian, you cannot do these things. How many of you all know have had a list in your time growing up? You know, thou shalt not drink. Thou shalt not go to parties. Thou shalt not smoke. Thou shalt not cuss. We have all kinds of things that that we that we are supposed to do or not supposed to do, you know. And I I wasn't a part of this for very long, but my my mom and I have had conversations about this. We were in a church when I was real young that said, "Thou shalt not go to movies." So she to this day can't go to a movie. Nothing wrong with it. She, she even knows. You can tell her, I know there's nothing wrong with it. I just can't do it because <laughs> this was, was drummed over her for, for a long time. Well, that was never drummed over me, so I can go to a movie. We went out to a movie on Friday night. We did that uh, one that uh, Manny was talking about. I'll tell you what, I recommend that to anyone. If you all want a movie to go to, go to that movie. It was, it was a fun movie. I laughed throughout the whole thing. i um, trying to think of the name of it. Mother, Mom's day, Mom's Night Off. Fantastic movie. I'll tell you what. I laughed about the whole thing. And believe it or not, had a great Christian message that was not veiled. They came right out. They talked about God. They talked about a Christian message. It was right in there. And uh, no veiling of it at all. They were in church. They were talking about God. And uh, if you go through the whole, watch the whole movie, I think one of my, my, one of, if not my favorite character, is Bones. I think he's my favorite character. He, I really liked him. He's the uh, tattoo parlor guy. He runs the tattoo parlor. And if you wonder why in the world your pastor likes the guy who runs a tattoo parlor, you got to go see the movie. <laughs> it was a fun movie. We got out there and we watched that and it was, uh, it was very enjoyable. Funny as anything. I laughed throughout the whole thing. It just was, I had a good time with that. Haven't had that good of a time in a movie in a long time. But anyway, we all have these laws. We have these things that we have been taught Things that we have been told. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And we do them not because they come up in our spirit not to do. We do them because we're told. That's it. We're told not to do it. I've told you this story before, but I, I never went to parties. I didn't go to you know parties where they start drinking and alcohol and who knows what all went on there because I didn't go to them. I imagined things went on, went on those parties, but I didn't go to the parties. I didn't know what happened to those parties. But I got an invitation when I was down at uh, Ramah, going to school there, and someone invited me to a party. You know what I said? Thank you, but no. I was going to be down there for Thanksgiving because, you know, it's just too far to come home for a weekend. We just had the weekend off, and it was too far to go, so we stayed on down there. And they, had, they knew I was home by myself, and, you know, they invited me. Oh, come on out. We have a party. No, I appreciate you offering, but, but no. And down in my spirit, the Lord said to me, Go. I said, "Lord, I've never been to one of them parties. I don't even want to go to one of them parties. I don't know what they do at those parties, and I know I don't want to go to those parties to find out what they do at those parties. I'm, I'm I'm okay just staying at home." God said, "Go." Mm-hmm. All right, I go. So I went. I told you the story about this one too. I yeah. walked into the house, and the house of the it was held at the my supervisor's house at the restaurant. I'm still friends with her. I still communicate every once in a while with her and her husband. Mm-hmm. Some of the things are going on. But anyway, it was at their house, and um, they had a box of bags outside, and in, in the labeled, was if nudity offends you, put one of these on. And it was back when the grocery stores had actual paper sacks, and you could put this paper sack over your face, I guess is what it was, and you wouldn't see anything. I saw that and it says, Dear Lord, I am in the wrong place. I know it. I'll wait out in the car. You all come on back, and when you guys are done with the party, you can take me on home. I'm, I'll just stay here. I was even thinking, I'll just run home. I don't know where I am. I don't know how I got here, but I'll find my way home. It's... <laughs> <laughs> this is not good. We got in there and all we did was talk about God, talked about the Bible, a lot of end time questions, and I sat there and, and I never moved. People came and just once we saw, saw we were asking questions about God and talking about God, and we talked about God for hours to people who had never been in church. And um, uh, one of the ladies there, another person I'm still friends with, uh, she uh, she came on over and says, "Would you like a, uh, a?" I'm not sure if I was. I think I was just drinking Coke then. I hadn't quite got corrupted and and gotten into the Diet Coke. <laughs> that would come soon, but uh, at that point I think and so she she came up to me and says, "Would you like a Coke?" make sure it's there's just Coke in it. And I trusted her and she brought and certainly she was she was true and and it was a good time. It was a good time. I still didn't want to go to another one. It was a good time. We talked about the Bible, talked about end times and just had a great time and then one other time they invited me to a party and and I said, no, thank you, appreciate it. And, and God says, no, go. So I went. And pretty much the same thing happened except on the way home. I talked to a man in the, a young, young man in the back seat of the car, and he uh, turned his life over to Jesus. And, uh, on the way home, we had a conversation the whole time out there about God and about the Bible. And it was, uh, it was a great night. I still didn't want to go to another one. And uh, never did. That was it. Went to two parties. God never told me I had to go to another one. I never asked him to go. They, all, they worked fine. I had good memories. They were all right. I didn't have anything that went on that uh, I was uh, ashamed of or anything like that, but I had, uh, that's what we did. But you see, if you had a law going on, you wouldn't be able to do that if you just obeyed a law. God wants you not to obey a law. He wants you to obey his, the leading of His Spirit. But see, people like a law. They like laws. Just tell me what to do when I'm not supposed to do and then make me spiritual. You'll never grow that way. You may maintain a, a semblance of religion, but you're not going to grow. you got to, um, you got to develop that part of you. So God intended the law to point the way, not be the way. That's what He intended. God wants the law to point the way. He doesn't want the law to be the way. Now there are those in the Old Testament, before this teaching came, before Jesus did things, there are those in the Old Testament who became heirs, But many more became slaves. Many more in the Old Testament became slaves, servants to the law. But there are those who became heirs. Was Elijah an heir? Walking in what he was his inheritance? Was Enoch an heir? Was Moses? Was Noah? Was Joshua? Was Caleb? Was David? And the list goes on, doesn't it? Daniel, was he not an heir? These folks walked in more of what is our inheritance than people in the New Testament. It was not that when Jesus came, he unlocked this. It was open to people before. But few got past the slavery to the law. It was open to them. But Jesus just came in and says, you know what, I'm going to come. And when I come, the Holy Spirit can come down to the inside of you. And he can fill you. Not just come upon you, but he can fill you. And it'll be even easier for you to walk in this. And that's why he came. Make sure that we could, we could walk in these things. Could people in the Old Testament, weren't they saved? Yeah, they were saved looking forward to the work of Christ. We're saved looking backward. Verse 8. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not God's. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years, and I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. A lot of things we could say in there, a lot of details. We're, like he said, we're just going through the overview here. He's saying this. Days, weeks, months, feasts, all these... You don't become spiritual by observing all these things. You become spiritual by, by following after the, the Spirit of God. And he's basically telling them, look, I'm no, I'm no different from you. I'm a person just like you are. And you can do the same thing I'm doing. Well, there was a time of ignorance that the, the Jewish people had. There's a time of ignorance that we had. There was a time we were ignorant of the things of God. We didn't know. But then we had a time of enlightenment. And our eyes became open to the things of God. After the time of enlightenment, Paul talks about some of you came into a time of bondage. You were ignorant before when you became enlightened and some people came along and they began to tell you about the law and put you into a bondage to the law. And that's how some went. But that's not where we're supposed to be, folks. We're not supposed to be in bondage. We're supposed to be in something else. And this is what he goes on to talk about. In verse 13, you know that because of a physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. If you wonder what that was, it was not an eye disease. He was stoned, not on drugs. <laughs> he had been stoned, left for dead, and got up and went back in and, and preached and went on to the next place. And, uh, but still the marks of that stoning were on him. In my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. That doesn't mean he had an eye disease or something was going on with his eyes. How many of you said, Boy, if I could, I'd cut off my right arm for you. Boy, you don't mean that you cut off your right arm because it wouldn't do any good. (laughs) It's an expression. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? because they beat, these folks had turned them against, some against Paul. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you that you may be zealous for them. But it is a, but it is good to be zealous for good things always, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. He's laboring. Until Christ is what born. formed. Born. Just because they're born again doesn't mean Christ is formed in them. There's a growth process. There's a process that goes on. He says, "Let's get into this." I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. <laughs> you ever had doubts about about people? Yeah, moms, have you ever had doubts about your kids? Don't don't answer. Just <laughs> sometimes I can go. That can happen. But in verse 17 it says, "They zealously court you." I want you to know something about Paul. Paul had to deal with they as well. How many of us are dealing with they? We don't know who they are, but they. There's people out there Call them they. They. They're always a problem. We have politicians. We have uh, people in the uh, media. We have people on TV. They're always talking about they. You know? Well, they say. Who says? Well, They. Who are they? Who are they? You know, they, they say experts. We've always talked about this, especially on Wednesday nights, we talk about this a bunch. It's amazing how much the experts are always surprised. Right? Experts, the, uh, the uh, experts on the economy are surprised at the, you fill in the blanks, whatever it is. If the experts are always surprised, are they truly experts? No. If, if, if they were experts, wouldn't they, well, we expected this. Wouldn't that come up somewhere? You know, all we experts should not be surprised all the time. Once in a while, an expert might be surprised, but they shouldn't be done, shouldn't be all the time. But here Paul was dealing with they, too. They zealously court you. Now they knew who he was talking about. These people are coming along, they're pulling the law in. They zealously court you. We're always dealing with the days. Yeah, Mom's had to deal with this too, you know, especially as sons. We come at home and we describe the activities that we were involved with. Now, why did you think you could do that? Well, they told me. All <laughs> right. Verse 21. Tell me, you who des- desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? They desire. Can you imagine that people desire to be under the law? Now, Paul equates the law with slavery or servanthood. But think back into the Old Testament. When Israel was wandering around the wilderness free from Egyptian rule. What did they always seem to want to go back to? (laughs) Well, if we go back to Egypt, we'll have all the leeks and garlic we want. Life was so good there. I don't know why we ever wanted to leave. (laughs) It's amazing how good some things can can seem. They had no responsibility. They weren't responsible for producing anything. Now they had to do their own stuff. They had to fight their own battles. Egypt fought their battles for them. Egypt kept them protected. They beat them, <laughs> but they kept <laughs> them protected. And uh, when they're wandering around the wilderness, for some reason, it looked good to them. You, know, you, you had to get the, as people have taught many times, you had to get the Egypt out of them. You had to get that attitude of, of uh, depending on other people. You know, I've heard people talk this about, about Haiti. How, many, how much money we have sent as a country over to Haiti to help those folks out. What happens is it just goes out there and it does it absolutely no good for them. It buys stuff for them, but it doesn't help them because we haven't gotten that dependency. They haven't learned how to become dependent on themselves. They haven't learned how to do things for themselves. That's where we need to go. There's other places, other countries too. That one is just, um, the, the poverty there is just so, so great and so strong. Tell me you desire to be under the law. Do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman and the one by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he had the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. For there are two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brethren, are as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. Don't be surprised that the world persecutes you. Those that are born of flesh persecute those that are born of spirit. And what he's saying is when we become born again, we become born of spirit. When we were born in this earth, we were born of flesh. But when we become born again, we become born of spirit. And those that are born of flesh, just like it was in Abraham's family, begin to pick on those that are born of the spirit. And so people in the world will pick on you. Because you're born of the spirit, because you want to have faith, because you want to believe God, because you want to go after righteousness, becoming spiritual, growing spiritually. These are the things you want to do. Well, they're going to pick on you for it. He says, don't be surprised. Don't even be surprised if Christians who are still born of the flesh. Pick on you. Well, what Christians pick on others? How many times do we have Christians that are in the camp? Well, you know, we don't believe in that faith stuff. Believe in God for things. And what do they do with Christians who do? They pick on them. Oh, they pick on them. Now, you as one who believes in having faith in God and believing God for answered prayer, do you pick on people who don't? You don't even think about it, do you? Why do we pick on them? We, We want you to have this. We want you to go after this. You don't even think about it. We don't write books about how bad people are who don't believe in faith. But they write books about how bad people are who believe in faith. Right? Why? Because those of the bondwoman persecute those of the free. That's what he's telling you. Whether they are unsaved or saved, if you are of the bondwoman, you will pick on those that are of the free. But don't go back to being a bondwoman. Don't go back to being in that family. I'll go back to the flesh. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. <laughs> For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So if you're ever wondering why well, that was unfair of God to have Hagar cast out of the house. Well, they sent the angel and said, don't worry, we're going to take care of you too. But it was symbolic. So he says this in verse 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. This is, we, are, we are the free. That's how we ought to act. We're not to be under the bond. We're not to be under the law. The law is not going to make us spiritual. We don't need me to sit here and, and figure out all these things. Well, I ought to do this, I ought to do this. No. Now understand the law is not bad. It is still a good thing that thou shalt not murder. That's a good thing. Thou shalt not steal. That's a good idea. You still want to keep up some of those those some of those things. The Spirit of God is not going to lead you against against that. But there are some things we need to learn we need to be developed in we need to go after remember when Paul, when peter was up on the roof and the spirit of god came down on him and gave him that vision rise peter kill and eat and he's pondering what is this what does this vision mean cuz he knew it didn't mean just go out there and eat this stuff that wasn't that may, may have that connotation there but that's that's not what does this mean rise peter kill for what i have called clean don't call unclean Peter says, while I was pondering the meaning, people came and said, there's a knock at the door. And folks came that were from a Gentile household. Peter, we've come for you. God told us to come get you. And so he went. Still pondering the meaning of it, but when he got there, he began to tell them the meaning of it. Verse 1, chapter 5. That's the uh, history here. Now we get into the meat of what he's teaching. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Stand fast here is from the the Greek word steko. It's in the perfect tense. It means to be stationary, to persevere, and to stand fast. Perfect tense means a past completed action having present-day results. He's saying, stand fast. Get yourself set into a place where you stand and you will not be moved. You will not be moved. You will stand. That's what you want to do. Stand fast, therefore. What's the therefore for? All the things he just taught in chapter 4. So because of all these things, we're not sons of the bond woman. we're, We're sons of the free. Because of that. Because this is what and, and the people of the Bond Woman, they're going to pick on you? They're going to persecute you. Understand that. But know this stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Because people are going to try and get you out of it. Now I'm going to give you a pearl of wisdom from someone that many of you will know. Especially after this weekend. How many know the name Chip Kelly? Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly has a philosophy on drafting people. This is the weekend of the draft. We had the draft. It was an exciting weekend for many of us in football land. We like draft weekend. We're not always happy, but once it's over. Some of us are ecstatic once it's over. Some of us are not as happy when it's over, but it's over. But one of the things that Chip had said about this, and you can probably relate to this pearl of wisdom, is that big people beat up little people. Pearl of wisdom from Chick Kelly. Big people beat up li- little people. So his goal in the draft is to get big, big, big. big people. He wants big people. <laughs> Doesn't that make sense? In football, you're there beating up on each other, so get the bigger people. <laughs> so that's one of the things that he would do. Well, big, big if you got a big person there and they're standing, they're harder to move. Be a big person. Be big in the spirit. Have some weight. How do you get big in the natural? Real easy. Eat. Number one thing you got to do if you want to get big is eat. If you don't eat, you're not getting big. I don't care what you do. You're not getting big. You got to eat. Now, just because you eat doesn't mean you get the right kind of big. If You want to get the right kind of big. You got to team it up with some workouts, some, some weights and things like that. And you got to get Bigger. One of the things that I noticed they were talking about a lot of these draftees are coming out of college is they need to put on some size. They're 280 pounds. But they need to put on some size. Now, he's not talking about growing taller because you just can't do that. They're talking about, you know, they need about 30, 40 pounds on them. I can't imagine being 280 pounds and needing another 30 pounds on my body. I can't imagine being 280 pounds to begin with. but <laughs> Anyway, that's what they're saying about them. Well, how, how do they get there? They got to be in the weight room. They got to be eating the right food. They got to be in the weight room. They got to be eating the right food. They got to be in the weight room. They got to be eating the right food. They got to keep doing this. They got to keep going after it. Because they want them to be able to stand. They want them to be able to take the abuse, the persecution that comes from the other team and accomplish the job that they're called to do. Whether they be an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman or a wide receiver or a safety or whatever position it is, you want to be able to do what you're called to do. He's saying here, stand fast to be stationary, to persevere or to stand. He says, stand fast in the liberty. These folks that are born of the bond will try and get you to move off of your liberty. Don't. Let them. Now, who's it up to? Has nothing to do with God. Think of it this way. Back into the football analogy. You got the defensive lineman. You got the offensive lineman on the line. Whose job is it for them to hold their ground? Is it the coach's job? No, no the coach cannot do it for them. The coach can tell them what to do. The coach can tell them can prepare them all that he can. But when he's out there in the field, who has to do it? You two. You you you're the one's got to do it. He can't call over to the sidelines and say coach help. <laughs> you can't call over to the sidelines and say mom. That's not going to help. Dad, that's not going to help. You are the one out there. And he says, stand fast. He's saying hit to who? You. You've got to stand fast. Stop crying to mommy. Stop crying to God. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, I need to... Oh, God. No! Do it! Stand! The enemy is going to try and move you. Shouldn't be a surprise. He's saying, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Christ made you free, but you got to stand in it. He provided it, but you got to stand in it. He doesn't keep you in it. You want to walk out of the liberty, that's a It's yours to do. But stand fast in it. Stand fast. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't get all caught up in that again. Stand fast. That's what he's saying. You can do it. How many have ever gotten entangled in something? Is it good? No. Oh, I mean, you're walking around the house... Maybe you're vacuuming the, the floors. And what, what do you tend to get tangled in? The cord. the cord, right? Yeah, you get tangled up in the cord and you can kind of go somewhere. You know, when I'm in the shop, I got cords going on because every tool I need, needs something. Power. They need power. The sanders need power. The saws need power. Everything needs power. And in order to get to the power, what do we got to have? cords. And sometimes my feet can get caught up in those things. And it's never good. <laughs> it's never good. Good things don't happen when you get entangled. <laughs> don't get entangled. Now, it's easier to say, isn't it? It's easier to say, I mean, if we just get rid of all the cords in the world. I mean, they have wireless internet. We have wireless phones. We have wireless that unlocks our cars. Right? Why can't we have wireless power? I don't know why. That is, I'm, I'm looking for it. Wireless power. <laughs> it's just floating around in the air, and it just pulls it when you need it. We haven't gotten there yet, but maybe someday. Don't say we can't do that. We got to write that idea, we'll pursue it, and ask God. I bet you God has wireless power. Amen. Guarantee you don't see any extension cords in heaven. They don't need those things. Probably laughing at us. Look at them folks Using an extension <laughs> course. Almost tripped over that sucker. <laughs> stand fast. Stand fast. Don't be entangled, but stand fast. You have been given liberty from righteousness through the law. You've been given liberty. Not from doing what's in the law, not from the good things that are in the law, but simply you've been given liberty from righteousness, acquiring righteousness in the law. Don't get caught up in it. Well, if I'm going to be righteous, I need to do such and such. Nope. This word for stand fast is used eight times in the Bible. i am only giving you two, two times. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Watch, stand fast in faith, be brave, be strong. Who's going to do all those things? You are. 1 Thessalonians 3, and verse 8. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For now we live if... You stand fast in the Lord. It means you may not. It's up to you. It's up to you. You got to do it. Verse 2. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You can't just do part of it. If you are going to become saved by doing the law, you got to keep it all. That's a bondage right there. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For though through the Spirit we eagerly wait for the hope of of righteousness by faith, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. That's all. We're not going to get anything through the law, but faith working through law, that produces some stuff. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You ran well. The word there for hindered means to beat back, check, or hinder. In Second Corinthians three and verse fourteen, but their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted, same word that is used there. Same word. Hindered. It's a hindering word. The enemy is there to hinder there, it's there to hinder you. You ran well, who hindered you? Whenever something goes wrong, how many of y'all know there is a who behind it? <laughs> what happened? Who did it? Right? If, once we see something bad that happened, who did it? We want to know who did it. There's always a who. You ran well. Who hindered you? He says You're going just fine. Someone has come along and hindered you. Who did it? Who was that way? Verse eight, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you and the Lord that you will have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Don't know who that who is, but whoever he is, <laughs> he's going to get it. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? People of the bond, women don't persecute those of the free. Or they perse- the people of the free don't persecute the free. It's from the bond. Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. You ever want to wish that about people? <laughs> for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Well, there's a whole lot in there. Again, we're not getting into all the all the details. Just looking at the overall picture of things here. We have been called into a place of freedom. We have been called into a place of liberty. We've been looking at pride. People that are in pride. We've been looking at people that are humble. We've been looking at people that are in false pride. And if you are in... in uh, if you are a humble person and you see something that you feel that you are empowered to do, you're going to say, I can do it. That's, a, that's the words of a humble person. A prideful person is going to be saying, someone else should do it, should have done it for me, or someone should provide it because I'm somebody. I shouldn't have to do that myself. Somebody else should be doing it for me or somebody should be providing it for me. Somebody should be giving it to me. I should have that. But I don't want to do anything for it. That's a prideful person. A person who is in false humility will say, well, I don't deserve it. Probably don't really need it. I can get by without it. That's wrong. Be humble. And humble says, I can do that. I can do that. I can go after that. I can do I can do that. Just like Ethel was giving that word here this morning. Watch the things you say with your mouth. Watch that. You can do it. You ought to be saying stuff like that. Father God, you want me to do that? I can do it. I can do it. Father God, you want me to go in that direction? I'll go in that direction. What's a prideful person say? I don't think you have any right to ask me to go in that direction. (laughs) I don't know that I want to go in that direction. I think my way is better. That's a prideful person. Don't get into that. Don't have the language of the prideful person. Humble person says, God, you want me to go in that direction? I'm ready. Let's go. I'll go. False humble person. Well, oh God, I really don't need that. Let me have something in your life right now that you think I ought to have. I'd like to have it. I'd want to have it. Maybe it's a better job. Maybe it's something in the social area. Friends and things like that. Maybe it's something in possessions. i like to have a better car. i like to have something over here. Something to How many of y'all know that somewhere along the line, social stuff? Because, you know, we can have stuff. Christians can have stuff. Glory to God. Christians can have stuff. Just don't let the stuff have you. But Christians can have stuff. We're all right to have stuff. People can have friends and people around them. That's all right. they are going to have those things. But sometimes when we are lacking in any of these areas, we tend to fall in a ditch on one side or the other. A prideful person says, Well, God, I've been working hard for you. I've been doing all kinds of stuff for you. You should just give that to me. I should have that. That's what a prideful person does. And if you keep thinking those things, what are you building up on the inside of you? Pride. And what does God do with the proud? He helps them and gives them everything they want. No, that's not what he does. What does he do with the proud? He resists them. That's what happens to your prayers when you're talking to God. You get resistance. There's resistance there. Why? Because you're coming out it with pride. No, I'm not. I'm not. Yes, you are. That's the language of prideful people right there. That's the language. Drop it. Get out of it. You don't need it. God God doesn't have to do a thing for you. Yeah, but I deserve it. You don't get what you deserve. What you deserve is hell. Death. That's what you deserve. Thank God we're not getting what we deserve. (laughs) You want to go back and draw off what you deserve, God will say, let me tell you what you deserve. Come here. (laughs) Let me show you. This is what you deserve. No. False pride person. Well, God, I would like to have that, but I can keep on driving this old car around. I just uh, pray and believe every morning that it starts up. And pray and believe every time I'm heading on down the road that it doesn't quit on me. And it builds up my faith. And I kind of like those kind of things, you know, building up my faith. And this is good. Father God, I would like to have a better job, but I'm okay. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just barely, but I'm making the bills. You know, it's, uh, I know it would be more relaxing and more at ease if I got paid more. But, you know, I, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to trouble you. It's, that's wrong too. Is there any faith in that? No. There's no faith in the pride side. There's no faith in the false humility side. There is faith in the side of being humble right down the middle of the road. Be humble. Know who you are. Know what God blessed you with. Know that you are an heir. An heir. When a person is an heir, how much of it did they earn? None. They inherited it. That's what being an heir is. You inherit. You didn't earn. You inherit. The difference. God has a whole mess of stuff He's got for you to inherit. We aren't taking advantage of it because, one, I'm in false humility. I think, well, I don't really need it. We're like the older son. When did you ever kill a fatted calf for me? Son, it's all yours. Everything. Here. You want a calf? Go get it. It's yours. You want a ring? You know where they are. Go get it. You want a robe? <laughs> you know where we hang them up. They're all yours. Everything I got. Everything right now. Everything you see? It's all yours. You never killed a fatted calf for me, for my friends. It's all yours. We're like, the older, we're like the older son. We're in this false humility thing. Don't be messing with it. Don't be doing that. Don't be getting into pride. The son, the younger son, give me what is mine. Got some pride going on there. When he came back the second time, he was humble. How do you know that? Because when the father said, I'm not going to make you a servant, I'm going to make you a son, he accepted it. When the robe was put on him, he accepted it. When the ring was put on his finger, he accepted it. Sometimes, folks, we're not willing to accept what God wants to do. But we've got to be willing to accept it. See, God wants to develop you. He wants you to get to end into that place where when he... Puts you into a difficult situation, you soar. You become Superman or Superwoman. And you can do all kinds of things. You can get stuff done. Because you've been trained up, you've been made ready. Superman wasn't born a Superman, he had abilities. Just going into the natural comic book thing, Mm -hmm. he had abilities. He didn't know how to use them. He had to learn. God's saying that to us, you are an heir of the kingdom. You need to learn what that entails. Amen. You need to learn how to use it. Amen. You need to learn how to develop your spirit. You need to learn how to go after what I'm telling you to go after. You need to hear when I say, go after this thing. And know on the inside of you that you can do it. And not sit there and wait for me to get it done. You need to stand fast in your liberty. Don't let other people pull you in. Don't let other people pull you down. Don't do it. Stand up. Stand fast in the liberty with which Christ has made us free. You've been made free. Stand fast in it. Keep your heart right. The wrong heart takes you down the wrong road. Begin to think that God should do all this stuff for you if people shouldn't ask things of you. People shouldn't require things of you. Nah. Four things. Four things to take from this. Four things to focus on. First off, walk in freedom. It's a thing you got to do. He said in verse 1, Stand fast in liberty. Do not be entangled again. Don't, don't do that. Stand fast in liberty. Don't be entangled. Walk in freedom. People are going to try and pull you out of that freedom. You don't do it. You walk in freedom. Now, he says, don't use that freedom as an avenue of your flesh. That's wrong. And don't use that freedom against another brother or sister who's weaker than you. That's wrong, too. But you stand in your freedom. Walk in faith. Verse 6, he said, faith working by love. Walk in freedom. Walk in faith. Stay in a place where you are believing God. Standing, Father God, I see that this is what Your Word says. I believe I have received that. I believe that is mine. Father, when the Spirit of God leads you, Steve, go over here. Have faith to believe, God. If You sent me over here, it is mine. What was the words that God continually told Abraham? Look up. Look to the north look to the south look to the east look to the west everything that you see i have given it to you i have given it to you walk in faith listen to the spirit of god he's going to lead you in places he's going to lead you in directions he's going to lead you to jobs he's going to lead you to friends he's going to lead you in 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 your desires first for even stuff you got that Nice car you've been thinking about. Don't get yourself in debt to the point you've got to work all the time to do it. Just simply hold that out there. Father God, I thank you. That's the thing I can, I can receive. I can have. Walk in faith. Third, walk in service. He said in verse 13, Through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. Never forget we are called to serve people. Don't look at certain people as, well, I don't have to serve them. They're under me. That's pride. Don't do it. Walk in service. Serve the people that are around you. Whenever an opportunity comes to help someone who has a load heavier than what is normal, help them. Help them. When they have a load that is their daily load, coach them. But don't, don't carry it for them. Coach them. Get them to carry it themselves. Serve other people. And fourth, walk in love. Verse 14 says, Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Which means you've got to love yourself. You should love yourself. You should. That's good to do. It's not bad to love yourself. You should love yourself. But love your neighbor as much. Love them as much. If you are grown, if you love yourself more this year than you did last year, <laughs> you should also love your neighbor more. Love your neighbor as yourself. Pride will pull us away from these. Pride will pull you away from walking in freedom. Pride will pull you away from walking in faith. Pride will pull you away from walking in service to one another. And pride will will, will pull you away from walking in love. Humility will keep us in. Humility will keep us in. Walk in a way to be humble. And being humble is know who you are. Know what your strengths are. When you know what your strengths are, you know what other people's strengths are, you have no trouble letting them in and doing the thing that they're strong at. No problem with it. Yeah, come on in. You're better at that. Come on in. You help me out with this. Because you're humble. Humble means I know what I'm good at. I know what I need help in. I got a realistic... View where I'm at. I know what kind of things I can improve on. How many of y'all know there are things in your life that are not real good right now, but you can make them better? And there's some things in your life, it's just, there's no use.
2: It's
0: not going to help, you know. Sewing is one of those things. I'm terrible at sewing, and I don't want to improve. All I need is a good dry cleaner. Take them on down there, you know. I need that button sewn on. You know, you could probably do this, probably. Not going to do it. (laughs) <laughs> no desire no you, you do a great job so my I button on. <laughs> that's that's, that's a, what it is there's some things that you just don't don't do but there's some things you can become better at and God says Steve I need you to become better at this do this better go after it you can do it but pride will keep you from it false humility will keep you from it you've got to stay down that middle of the road and being humble you got to stay in that place of walking in humility. I wish, how many, I mean, we can all say this. I wish I knew now, I wish I had all the knowledge I had now when I was going through high school. I mean, you say, don't you say that too? Wouldn't high school be different? You wouldn't have fallen victim to some of the things you did, you wouldn't have cared about what some people thought about you you would have operated differently, you would have more confidence in yourself. How many know that one of the things that held us back in, conf- in, in, in high school was we were not confident enough? We were unsure. We didn't want to always talk to new people because they might not like me. Or, you know, what if they don't respond well? And now what do we do? Oh, I don't care. How are you doing? Now we just walk up to people? I do it all the time. Walk up to people, never you know, them, have conversations with them. Sometimes I throw people off. You know why are you having this conversation with me? But after a while, they get relaxed and they just we start having some fun. And we have a conversation. We have we have a good time about it. And um, yeah, we were over at a, a place in the in yesterday. There's a oh, I'll tell you what we had this we had a great Mother's Day celebration and we ate we ate well. <laughs> they were over at Longwood Gardens and they had this uh, big buffet and they had food. Their macaroni and cheese was good. I'm telling you, that's, that's, how, that's how good it was. The macaroni and cheese, I went back for seconds on macaroni and cheese. It was, their strawberry preserves were so good, I had to get more scones just to eat the, 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 the preserves. They were just were that good. The, the food was so good, I didn't care what was on the dessert table. That's how good the food was. So anyway, one of the places they had, they had some breakfast over there. And so they had two chefs, they were over there, and they were uh, working on the, doing the, um, uh, what do you call it, the omelets. So I went up to the wine and he was, he was making, he just put the stuff in there. So I'll take all the meat and all the cheese. <laughs> Leave the rest of the stuff off. All the meat, all the cheese. So he put all the meat, all the cheese that he could on there and he was making it up. He just sat back there. He wasn't going to talk. So I figured I'll talk. So I started talking to him about it. And, and so he began to reluctantly engage me in conversation. So I engaged him some more. And then another one of his, his uh, chef buddies came in. And, and so we started having a conversation, all three of us. We were just talking about all kinds of stuff. And they told me about some stuff about what was going on over there. And so we got to know some things. Talk to people. Have the confidence. If they don't like you, it's all right. Go off find somebody else. Huh?
1: <laughs>
0: I, I wish I knew that in high school. Because I was always I shy. I wasn't talking to people. You know why? Well, they may reject me. They may not like me. he did that all the time. I wish I hadn't. But that's what we did. You know, why are we going after some of this stuff? Well, I don't know if it's good for me to have that kind of a desire. You know, I want a bigger house, but yeah, it's probably carnal. You know, it's probably carnal. Yeah, when you get up to heaven, you'll have the right size house, right? Right size house. How many have a shack waiting for you up in heaven? How many have an apartment waiting for you up in heaven? Anybody have a townhouse waiting for them up in heaven? What do we have waiting up in heaven? A mansion. You have a mansion. So what do you think God's view of, of having stuff is? God's making roads out of gold. Nikolai, and I were talking, we're walking around the Longwood Gardens and all that. Where, I mean, it's beautiful. Beautiful flowers and stuff like that. And he made a comment. He says, "But what kind of flowers do you think they have up in heaven? I said, man, I don't even know. <laughs> what kind of flowers do you think they have up in heaven? Whew. Man. Just think about that sort of stuff, right? Yeah, it's good. Do, do we serve a God who's extravagant?
2: Yes. yes, yes,
0: Very much so. How many planets are in the, in this, in the universe? Can we count them? No. no. How many do people actually live on? Only one that we know of. <laughs> we know a whole bunch that they don't live on. We don't know how many are out there that, they, that, that might actually have... other. We don't know. But we know that there's nobody on Mars... At least not that we've seen. Mercury, Venus, you know, Jupiter. They're not very inhabitable. So he's got all these planets in this one solar system and he only uses the one. That's kind of like having nine cars in the garage. Well, eight, depending upon what your view is of Pluto. All right. (laughs) It's kind of like having nine cars in the garage and only using one of them. The rest of them are just for show. Do we serve a God Is extravagant? How long does the sun last? You know, fire up that sun. How long you want it to run for? Ah, a couple billion years. It's, how long is it needed? Do we serve a God who's extravagant? How much heat does the sun give off? How much do we actually use? Do we serve a God who's extravagant? Mm. How large is the universe? How much space do we actually need? How much space is there between solar systems? A lot. I mean, you want to talk about having space between neighbors.
2: <laughs>
0: we serve a God who's extravagant. Don't worry about being a little bit of extravagant. Go after it. Just never lose, just don't get caught up on the stuff. And if God says, sell that stuff, give it to this person. Oh, All right, you got it. Here's, here's, no problem. I do what you want. Be that way. Don't let stuff ever get you. But don't ever be afraid of having stuff. Don't ever be afraid of having fr- friends. Can't have too many. Go out there and be friendly. Don't worry about having a, too good of a job. Well, maybe I don't deserve that. Yes, you do. God made you able, able to do it. He made you to walk in it. Just go out there. Don't worry about whether well, I qualify. Who cares? Go after it. Do what you want. Let God develop you. God's going to say some things to you because He wants you to stand on your own. He's going to tell you some things. He says, Steve, I'm not here to do that for you. You've got to do it. I'm not here to stand for you. You need to make that stand. I can't do it. That's your day-to-day load. And you need to learn to carry it. Sometimes somebody got a sickness or disease, they couldn't get it off, and Jesus would come up to them and say, bear it. Now, what'd he do? He'd help them with that, didn't he? Yeah, he sure did. There are some things that God will come along that's heavier than you can bear, and I'll help you with it. But he wants you to get into the day to day. He says, I need you to get ready to carry that day to day. Because after you get used to carrying this, I need you to carry this. And after you get used to carrying that, I need you to carry this. And then after you get used to carrying that, I need you to carry this. And then after you get used to carrying that, I need you to carry this. But you're not going to get there until you start carrying what you got. He needs to start carrying it. He needs you to carry it, and he's see, He's got all the patience in the world. Believe me, he's got more patience than you do. As we've told you before, God says something, and bam! Four thousand years later, it happens. Right? He has got some patience. He can. He can outweigh wait, wait you. <laughs> <laughs> he can wait you. Just, just learn to obey quickly. Yes, sir, Father. I'm going to learn how to pick this up and, and get myself used to this. I'm going to carry this along. There's some people in the Word of God who encountered this with God. We might look at them next week. Not quite sure. But ponder this. What is God getting you ready to handle? Are you handling it? Because if you're not handling what He wants you to handle now, you're not going to be ready for what's coming next. And eventually, what comes that's supposed to be the day to day is going to seem to you as overburdensome and heavy. And God said, It was never intended to be. You just haven't been getting ready. You're not getting used to it. You're not getting ready for this thing. You need to get ready. We just finished, as like we said, draft weekend. All these guys coming out of college, going into the pro, and they all think, What? I am ready. Just about every one of them thinks, I am ready. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to start. And they're going to get in there and they're going to find out. (laughs) I'm not as ready as I thought. (laughs) I thought I was ready. I've heard this from more people that get in there and say, the game is faster than it is in college. The guys hit harder than they do in college. There is more to think about. There is more to know. The playbook, holy cow talk about complex and they get w- woken up pretty quick. Get ready. God has some plans for you. Amen. And he wants you to get ready for draft day. Amen. And you're called into service and God says, yeah, I need you to go up into the pros. I need you to handle some of this stuff. But I need you to handle these things. And get ready. I'm not taking them on for you. You need to take them on. I've given you all that you need. Now take it on. Stand fast. Walk in faith. Walk in service. Walk in love. You need to learn how to do this. Would you all stand up with me? Father God, so many times we have blamed you for things that are our own creation. It's because we haven't gotten ourselves ready. We haven't prepared ourselves. We're not walking in what we need to walk in. We haven't made ourselves strong Father, you have a way to get us back on track and get us ready. You want us to have things in this life that make this life fun and enjoyable. But you always want us to have our sights set on the kingdom and what we're doing for you. And Father, we can do that. We can have our sights set on the kingdom and still enjoy life down here. And I thank you, Father, for the help that you give us to walk this way. We all have a load that we are carrying and we're supposed to, but we're supposed to develop to where that load becomes nothing so we can begin to increase and take on more and then take on more and then take on more. There are lots of people all around who are going to try and take us out of our liberty. The enemy is always vying for us we will do it through people. we will do it through situations. Whatever it is he can use. But we will not give in. We will focus, Father, on walking in freedom. We will walk in the freedom that you've given us. We will walk in love. We will walk in faith. We will walk in service. We will keep our walk in these things. And we will continue to grow stronger and stronger. In our day-to-day load... Will be greatly increased. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. We got some um, praise reports. Got a few of them that are that are already up here.
2: Any others coming up? No. A few. Okay, this one is from Nancy, and congratulations, by the way. Nancy said, "I want to thank God for helping me do well on my test on Thursday because of His goodness, I passed it. So you are now a nurses' a- nurses assistant. Praise yeah. God! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, this one's a prayer. Uh, praise request. Prayer request. I'm going to say because Anna, this is for Anna's sister Ruth. We prayed for her. Um, she says thank you for praying a prayer for my sister Ruth. She had her surgery. She had surgery on her hernia that got repaired. But while they were in there, they did find more cancer. She says I believe all things are possible, and with God, all things are possible. She came through the surgery. It was eight hours. And she's doing well. Um, She'll be 80 years old on the 24th of this month. She's saved, born again, spirit-filled, and ready for whatever happens. Um, We prayed her back years ago when she had her her last baby. Um, And we can pray again and again. We don't want the enemy to interfere with her life. And sickness is not of God. We're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And we're believing for a full recovery. You know, I I love... um, (coughs) two people that we know of in particular you know we don't have to die and go home to be with the lord sick we can go home when we choose to so we can pray her to be well and then if she wants to go home that's up to her but um you know we can be just like jesus lay down our life when we want to um how many of you know uh charles capps when he went home to be with the lord he told his wife on sunday five o'clock a.m i'm going home and what happened five o'clock sunday morning he checked out, <laughs> and he went on. Brother Hagen did the same thing. When it was time for him to go, he says, I'm going, and just lay down and go. So we can pray for her to be healed, and then if she chooses to go, we'll rejoice and let her go on. Anybody else have any anything good? Okay. You
0: yeah, Jolly had a, um something report? Graduated. Amen. We saw one there. Come on up.
1: Thank you. Um, first of all, I want to thank God and I want to thank the church for praying along with us through this period of time. I've been sharing the testimonies about what is going on in Virginia. We came back this uh, this morning, 12, 12, 12 midnight, uh, after that long drive with the rains. But um, uh, it, ha- it turned out to be the highest graduating class on record for that school, so you're about six thousand plus. So it was kind of a chaos, you know, traffic wise, hotel wise, everything wise, you know, a chaos. But uh, God saw us through. We came back safe and sound. We bless God for that. And um, it's no coincidence today being a Mother's Mother's Day, and I uh, just felt uh, it to be appropriate to really give honor to whom honor is due. I've already alluded to the fact that God is to be honored above all, but there is somebody who had held a fault or through this time I have been there, making a couple trips, I've made about three trips to Virginia to take intensive courses uh, until now so uh, I'm away and um, uh, she's keeping the house And uh, she's the mother and father of the house, she, she's calling the shots and she yelling and shouting on the children, do this, do that and I'm there trying to Skype to help a little bit mitigate the the whole thing. You know, hey, children, listen to what Mama is telling you. You know, and um, um, she's everything to me. Um, I mean, I just, there's a lot of words to express, you know, what this lady, is, this woman is to me. Um, uh, from the time we get to know ourselves back home in Africa, uh, we started having children. We have no desire to have any nanny or babysitter. We just felt both of us can do this ourselves. You know, we kind of retreat around the clock. I come, she goes, she goes, I come, you know, that kind of thing. So that way we are keeping an eye on the children. Because we didn't, we don't we, we do, we have money to hire somebody to help us in between, but we didn't feel that that was the thing to do for our children. So she is always there, you know. and. Um, We believe that uh, uh, God has been so faithful, and I just want to use this opportunity to tell that this graduation is hers, Um, as well as the fact that this is Mother's Day, so I just want to say this is a double blessing for her. So I give this whole thing about this graduation for me to her that uh, she deserves to be honored on this day, I know we were called up to the stage over there to get our awards and everything, but and she wasn't called, but they were recognized. But I want to say, I want to recognize her here, call her up to the stage here, and just uh, confer on her the Master of Arts degree that I received from Virginia. My wife, where are you? <laughs> where is my wife? She's hiding. Come on up here, my dear. You know, I did this surprise this morning. You didn't know when I sneak out of the house to go get a flower. <laughs> you were busy taking your shower. I said, Well, I know what time to do it. I want to say, I love you so much. You've been so good. You've been so wonderful. Okay. You graduated. This is for you. With all love. Bless you. Thank you. God bless. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah.